Hello, Tim. Hello there, Jonathan. Here we are, winter, in the beautiful Royal Botanic Gardens of Victoria. And we're about to have a little wander. And, and we need to say, this, this, this is your last time as director. That we'll talk. That's right. I mean, I'm happy to talk to you anytime, Jonathan, but not well, as likewise. Not as director anymore, which will be a bit of a change. And leaving these beautiful gardens behind you. Yeah, um, and we get as a way of kind of avoiding the gardens today for some odd reason. We'll go inside, I think, Jonathan. Well, we're going to visit the herbarium, and I'm excited because I've never ever been in here. No, you, you recall we did a, a strange journey where I took you into the seed bank uh, remotely. It might have been a COVID expedition, I think. <laughs> but no, th- this we're just standing outside the I herbarium. I do remember that. Yeah. <laughs> so outside the herbarium, this is a, a, there's a big extension here which was put on in the 1980s. Uh, but the main building here, this sort of square, it's an Art Deco building, quite beautiful, mm-hmm. but it's been hidden a bit by the extension, was uh, funded as a centenary project for Victoria. So... 1934, Sir Robert McPherson of Lolly Confectionery fame, McPherson oh, yes. family, donated, I think it was £15,000 for the building and the material instruments inside was the way he expressed it, but the original building was a donation by a philanthropist. What a fine thing. It is, isn't it? To celebrate the centenary, they build a herbarium. So here we are, National Herbarium. That's right, so National Herbarium, that's the other thing. What does it do? Yeah, look, and the word (laughs) national throws people a bit, but it's a bit like the National Gallery of Victoria. So it's an international collection, so one and a half million preserved plants, and what that means is a lot of them are flattened, but, you know, flat, dried plant material stuck on bits of paper. Some are in little bottles of formalin and alcohol and other other ways, but it represents uh, collections over the last few centuries, so it's a very European endeavour, but mm. it's collections from Australia, from overseas, of national importance, hence the National Herbarium, sitting in Victoria, in Melbourne, hence of Victoria. A repository. A repository. But, but uh, I must point out, a repository that gets used every day, so it's not really an archive, and that's something okay. we, we often have this kind of debate sometimes about how to store these specimens, because they're not in great condition, the building here at the moment. We're looking to build a new herbarium. It's running out of room, it leaks, all those kind of things that <laughs> <laughs> these sort of infrastructures can do. Uh, but it's, it's, a, it's a collection of people going to each day. You know, a new weed comes into the state and we need to check it, or someone needs an identification, or a botanist is, is doing some research. Yep. So it's an active collection. So that we should go inside. How many, how many things in it? Uh, well, there's one and a half, 1.5 million, we think. But the reason we don't know is because we're data-based. We've got all the data from about half of that. Mm. And we're working on the rest. So until we actually go into the collections, <laughs> there are things that you don't know what they are. Like we find collections by Charles Darwin and all kinds of quite famous people or odd, um, from you know Galapagos and places like that. But we didn't even know they were there until mm. we go through and collect the data. Into the plant library we go. So let's go. Let's go. Tim has the codes. <laughs> I do for another week. <laughs> so here you are, we're inside the vaults. Yes. Um, which is row upon row of metal cabinets with obscure Latin names on them. So let's go. This example is, here. So we've got um, Poaceae, uh, the grass family, sorghum, which you might people might know of, is a, a, a grass genus and then a species name and you know, a variety and part two. The trick with this collection is these numbers, 351, 353, 
refers to the family. Okay. So it's classified in a very kind of esoteric, botanical way so that the families most similar to each other are classified together uh, rather than in, in sort of alphabetical order. And that, the, the rationale there is if you're looking at something in the grasses, you might look at a family of plants nearby and you just step over to the side and they're there. So we're going to first go to, um, I'm going to find a, a, a very rare species to start with. You'll see now we're going into Orchidaceae, one of my favourite groups. I, 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 I was about to say. <laughs> you, may, you may see one or two favourites today, Jonathan, and apologies for that. It is, a, it is our last you know, okay, trip around. I can indulge you. Yes. Okay, and Terrastylus is actually green hoods. We saw, actually, last time we walked around the gardens, okay, we looked yes. at little green hoods. Yes. We'll go down the other end. And uh, here we're in what's called Caledonia. These are spider orchids. So these are some of the prettiest oh. orchids in the state. So it's uh, full of folders. It is full of folders. And I'm going to pull out one of these folders. And you, you keep them as flat as you can. And we take them across. I'll turn you around. Table here. And so the, you, you can open them up. We have to be very careful to it. We, we don't need gloves, but you can. they need to be on a flat surface. And we open it up. And you, you have the botanical name, so it's the Orchidaceae again with its number, but Caledonia clavescens. And there it is. And there pressed, it is. Pressed so on the page. See, it's a little spider orchid, pressed flat, teased out. There's a little bit of colour there. There's hairs you can see. There's a, a label here with barcodes, all that kind of information. You can even see on this one actually some alternate names. So we the history of its, um, both its collection, its description it's naming and then if it changes uh, is reflected on here and then put in the database so it was con color which meant one color mm. it's now clavescence which is kind of club shaped we'll refer to these little tags at the end but this is from Castlemaine this is actually from the monk track which is a place I've visited my family I went to school in, in Castlemaine so there's a connection there and it's a it's a, a red quite a deep red beautiful orchid but here of course it's brown so a, a plant like that pressed in these pages would, would last for how long? Centuries. So we mm. have collections that are, you know, three, four hundred years old, we believe even longer, as long as insects don't attack it. So we keep those insects out, we keep constant temperature, we have acid-free paper, all that kind of thing. Mostly specimens will last for a very, very long time. So if you just look through this folder, there are going to be more of these flattened orchids. You know, perhaps not not what we think of as attractive flowers, yes. but they have all the detail of the flower and, and you, you can put that under the, a microscope. The, the botanist's eyes would light up. Yeah, and each one represents a single wow. collection, a certain date, certain place. 1933. 1933, Elphingston, near Castlemaine again. That may not be growing there anymore, so this is the one permanent record mm. of that collection. Mm. And we can always check what it is. That's You could say, well, why don't you just write this down on a piece of paper, but this way we can always check and even get DNA from that material. Is there a process too to, to digitise yes. some of these as images? Uh, yes, both. So as, as we do, we get the data, we then do most of the images and we're focusing on the most important ones and we'll mm -hmm. gradually put them all up as images but even then you can get some of what you need but you still occasionally have to go back to the original. That thing of DNA, DNA that's an yeah. interesting possibility. C exactly, exactly. So that, that gives you a sense of what I, perhaps the most important collections here are from Victoria mm. and a local and a rare and it keeps a record of those but it is a it is a world collection so I do want to show you another one on this same floor in a, in a very different group of plants and also not from Australia. 
So now th this time we're we're moving into some more exotic families. I, I won't read out all the names because it, it gets a bit a bit tedious. <laughs> but however, <laughs> uh, Aracy is this family, which doesn't mean much to many people, and perhaps not even the name. But you might see the final word there, Titanum, which mm -hmm. means big. Now I'm going to pull out another specimen. This one's in, in plastic. It's very important, and it's called a type. So I'll go back to my uh, my table. And um, this, this family includes the arum lilies and related plants. And the one I'm going to show you here, now it's called a type. Now type, every, every name that's described, so that, that orchid I showed you has a one or two specimens that represent that name forever. They kind of reference, they're the most important specimen you will have in the world. And they're always there for the uh, the botanist to go and check what big, the name big is. Big board folder fastened with cloth tape. Now, it, you might be starting to get a, a hint. Press clipping. It's a press clipping. <laughs> it is a press clipping of a very large <laughs> flower, bigger than the man standing next to it. Yes. Uh, the gentleman in New York and in the Botanic Gardens. Yes. And it is your famous thing. It is the Titan Arum. So this is a this is a flower we've displayed at the gardens a number of times. It's been displayed around the world. The, it's called a Morphophallus titanum. So the big deformed penis is the botanical, what the, the name means. Titanarum is the more polite way of perhaps putting it. So mm -hmm. it's a big, a big arum. You, you wouldn't fit it in this little folder though. No, no, well this is, the, this is partly why I showed you because this is what you get. Wow. <laughs> you get, a, looks like a piece of tissue, like a skin, doesn't it? Yes. And this will be a portion of that big flower so it's it's like a, a big skirt that spreads out with a great big sort of chamois middle to it and this is a part of the skirt that's been dried in here there'll be little bits sometimes of the flowers or seeds in this case that'll be here as well but in a little folded paper pouch yeah so for a plant like this though this is this is all you get for the herbarium specimen and there'll be there'll be a couple of others as well, well under you, there. You need the press clipping for a sense of true magnificence, I think. <laughs> well, you do. So we, we normally, we now store, in the, particularly in the database, so we photograph some of the connections. But this is one of the first scientifically collected uh, titanarums from the, the forest. And this one would have been in Sumatra, I, I suspect, is where that was originally described from, yeah, Sumatra. And this, would have, this becomes the reference point for that whole species. So, you know, this is grown all around the world, but here in Melbourne we hold the reference collection for Amorphophallus titanum. Wow. Just, you know, sort of coincidentally in a way because our early director, Ferdinand von Mueller, was able to purchase and beg and borrow many specimens around the world and he, he wanted to set up a big, which he did quite successfully, a world collection here in Melbourne. Tim's now retiling the cloth tape. Uh, put it back. Safe oh, and sound. Why don't we leave the plastic part till later? So I leave that there. Oh. Because I want to take you to another level. So this is one level. Okay. And I'll take you up a, another rung. Now this this may not be a surprise to you, and I apologise for this, Jonathan. What have we got? Tim's up to the, the high level now on his little stool. And again, we'll spread this out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hello, Mr. Oak. <laughs> now, it is an oak, and, and this, so we're now in, again, the exotic collection, so it's got a lot of material from overseas, but it also has material grown in the Botanic Garden. So why I thought this was an interesting one to look at is it's the white oak, and it's the, huh. we've sat next to, we've walked past that old stump in the gardens that's been very elegantly turned into a sort of reflective installation, I guess. 
And this is a specimen from that tree that was collected just before it died. Right. So we keep this reference. Now, you might say, well, why, why do we do that? Well, it's a, it's a historical record of yes. that tree having grown here. It's probably a hybrid, and we could check. We haven't been able to do that yet. In fact, someone is looking at the DNA right now. We thought we'd find out mm. what, the, what the species were that were its parents. And you can see here, so collected in 2019. Actually, 27th of December, this is the day it fell over. So this collection wow. was made on the day, probably thinking, you know, look, this is... From, the, from the fallen tree, yeah, 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 exactly. Right. It's easy to collect from oaks when they're yeah, on, on the, the ground. ground. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and there's no acorns in this case, because they w didn't have any. So we just got a little piece of leaf there in the packet. So okay, this becomes well, a very well, important specimen. That is a special thing. Yeah, yeah. Like I feel like I, I feel familiar with yeah. that tree. And, and <laughs> actually, the other thing I noticed for that is how green those leaves are. So this yes. is, what, you know, four years later. So eventually, though, that will that will brown a off little, in there. A little bit, yeah. Sometimes they keep their colour for many decades, and, and it's, it's interesting. Different plants react differently because of their chemicals. But this is, you know, it looks like it might have been collected yesterday or yeah, pressed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now I'll put that one back safely. Yeah, it's covered. There are oh, many what a special oaks thing! Here, there are many oaks there. It's yes. a forest of oaks. <laughs> Each shelf a copse. <laughs> And again, again, there are you know, these type specimens. The ones in red are very important. Oh, okay. And they they dotted along the rows here. Yeah, yeah. And in this case, no, no Australian oaks, but um, many overseas oaks. Now let's go along here, a bit further down this row. So so far, we've looked at uh, <coughs> flowering plants. So you know, orchids, hmm? oaks, the giant titan arum, but we also have fungi, lichens, and algae. Of course you do. <laughs> that would be neglectful otherwise. And back here again. Lichens. So yes, these are lichens. So lichens are a mix of a fungus and an alga together. We might have talked about that once. They're a fascinating group of organisms. But I want to find the algae and I'm having trouble finding the right one. Here we are. These are, these are. So these are seaweeds. Uh, most mm -hmm. people know them as seaweeds. You, you know, red seaweeds, green seaweeds, red, uh, brown when you're on the coast. They also grow in freshwater as well. And again, the same kind of thing classified by these, you know, this time these are bigger groups, so green algae, chlorophyta. Now, um, the reason I'm showing you algae is because I have a, I thought, you know, my final days here, I have a special interest in you algae. Do. I'm, my it, research interest was originally. This is your doctorate, isn't it? Yeah, it is, exactly. <laughs> and, I, and I have been working on them over the, over the years, but, and this one's a bit of a showy offy one. So let me get it out. So these are types again, so you can see the red. Red folds, and we have a lot of red algae, which is just a, a scientific interest, I guess, that we in Australia there are very many in these um, groups that are... This isn't a rotophyta entwhistleus, <laughs> is it? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> so you're very close. Okay. <clears throat> so we open it up again and we... Oh, wow, um, look at that. So they're rather different to those other specimens we've looked at, but if you look at just the... colour is beautiful. The colour, the, the way they're soaked in. So these are prepared differently. The other ones were stuck or glued or pasted on with bits of paper, sometimes sewn on in fact. These are soaked in, so they actually soak the sheet in water and these are gelatinous, uh, these red algae particularly, but most algae, and they soak into the paper. So you wash them, you float them out, we say float them out, yeah. and they create these, these sort of beautiful patterns. It's this fine spread of like capillaries, isn't it? It's yeah, yeah, it is, and it's very soft and feathery. And if you, were collect, if you were collecting this one or seeing this one, uh, you, you would be in the subtitle and you'd be near Hobart. So this is off the coast of Hobart in Derwent Estuary. 
and so I've never seen it growing in nature. Uh, Blackman's what's it Bay. Oh, it's oh, let me just have a look here. Can I check? Uh, Entwistlia bella. So tell us the story. It's the beautiful Entwistle is the name, yes. which it refers to this lovely alga, and described. Uh, in honour of me by uh, some colleagues, including Fiona Scott, who's one of the collectors here, and also Jerry Craft, who was a, a supervisor of mine when I was an honours student. When I first started my studies in algae, he was supervising me. And they found this alga in the sea, which looked very like the sort of things I was collecting in mountain streams. So I'd, I used to collect my algae in, when I was bushwalking in streams and yep. rivers. They found something in the sea that looked the same, and they thought, you know, this is... Some, perhaps very similar to what you've been working on, Tim, did the DNA work and it turned out to be not only a distinct species but a distinct genus, that's so like eucalyptus, if you like. It's, you know, it's, not, it's a whole next level up. Even more exciting for me as a, a nerd, I guess, or as a taxonomic <laughs> nerd, as we call ourselves, but it's in its own family and order. So it's Entwistliaceae, and then, this is difficult for people to come, Jonathan, Entwistliaceae. So that means you go up the levels and uh, oh. so you go to family, which Myrtaceae, the, the myrtle family. Mm. Then you might, if you're in a eucalypt, then you go up to the next order, which is like a, a primate or a spider. So this is so distinct. There's only one of these left on Earth today. We don't know if it had any relatives, that it has its own sort of little hierarchy in that scheme. It's and named it's, after you. And it's carrying my name. I know. It's a, it's a, what, a, what, a beautiful, what a beautiful thing to have as a, a, a testament to a life's work. It, it, it is. It's lovely. And I'm, I, you know, I, I love, I love the idea. That not that your working life is done. No, no, thank you. That's good. <laughs> good point. Thank you. I, that's what I should be saying. Um, but it, and it's easier to do in things like algae and fungi and lichens because we're still discovering. So yeah. in a way, you're more likely to find new things. You're more likely to find a new genus or family or order. But it's still very unusual and still a delightful thing to have in the herbarium collection. How wonderful to see the world ordered thus. It is, and it's, a, it's an interesting... I mean, coming right back to this being a, a European venture and I suppose a Western scientific venture, mm. it, it is about ordering the world in a, in a system, and, a, and that was how it was set up, as a way to access information. For better and worse, you know, these names, these classifications, these systems, they have their faults, and we often argue about the right name and we have systems of law to, you know, get them in place... But it does mean you can you can find out something about an organism, and it's 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 like it's a catalogue. Yeah, it helps you, you locate it anew. You yeah see it in reference to it to other things. It's a just a system of understanding. It is, and it's a system, and it connects to the place. So this Derwent estuary, there'll be mm. other collections of algae from there, also referenced in the herbarium. Also be able to check, and if in you know a number of years, few decades, they decided Whistlia is was not a very good. Um, if you like, a, not, a, not a valid genus or not a genus that needed to exist. Because you struck off. Well, you, you get struck off, but you, luckily you also get you carried along as, as what they call synonyms. So when, when people publish, they put all the names it used to have. Okay. So you, you get carried along with the history. Oh, <laughs> the history but not of, forgotten. Not, not quite forgotten. <laughs> Although you possibly look down upon, you know, someone made a, a slight error when they described oh, you. Oh, it's a treat to see that. Yeah, look, I thought that was a... It, it, it's nice because it's where when I first worked at the gardens uh, many years ago, I started here as a botanist before mm. I became director and I went away and came back but when I first started work here I was working on algae and working on 
the things that this was sort of named to resemble, if you like, you know, this other group of organisms. So here you are, you're just a week from departing yeah. Royal Botanic Gardens. As I was saying to you as we came in, the beautiful thing is that the, it's not a place that is closed to you. It's a place that you, like the rest of us, can, can return to. That's right. And I was just out of Cranbourne yesterday, sort of soak, soaking up that place for the, for the last time as director. But, yeah, thinking the same thing to myself. I'll now come back as a, as a visitor with different different kind of eyes and just annoy the staff. And I will I will certainly annoy the staff. And I and I may well come into this collection. You know, when you're talking about what what do you do when you you leave or you may you, you may have a research interest. I may have a research interest, and I may um, write something about oaks <laughs> as well. <laughs> now there's an idea. Yeah, I know. Tim, it's been a treat to have these strolls seasonally through these gardens over, over some years now we've we've been through the cycle a few times it was i was almost i was counting up i i, I meant to count up but then yes let's say a, a large number of seasons which has been <laughs> yes. nice actually coming back to a place in a different season and with a different sort of track through it a different way of looking at oaks <laughs> <laughs> and orchids, <laughs> and now algae. <laughs> uh, this this will not be our, our our last conversation or our last stroll, but our last with you as director. So, um, our th- and the thanks of the thanks of a grateful nation, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you, Jonathan. Thank you, the nation. <laughs> ABC RN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app.